We go in and present, joined today by a very special guest, someone that I go way back with, back when we were first starting out um, our careers, you know, around the same time, Marco Polo, who just dropped Richmond Hill with Master Ace, their second collaborative album together. Um, we could go into your discography, man, and that would be two hours. But, you know, first off, man, just thank you for being here and thank you for doing the podcast, Marco, man. How are you doing? Uh, I feel great. It's a crazy time in my life right now with lots of changes. I'm in the process of, of, of moving, so it's crazy. I haven't really even had a chance to really soak it all in. But when I pop onto my phone, I see, you know, I see the crazy love for the album, you know, on, on all the socials. And I'm very thankful. You know, I'm thankful for Ace, too, because... You know, it's tough to be a producer or make the style of beats that we do in 2024. And, you know, um, I really think having a legend like Ace, you know, on the beats, it's just I'm able to reach so much, so many more people because of just his fan base and his reach and, you know, the demand for his music and us together teaming up just takes it to another level. So I'm very happy people love it. Um, Brooklyn Story was well received, so it's always nerve wracking to follow up something that was that people liked and i think so far there you know we, we continued the consistency yeah because i mean everyone always has that that sophomore jinx fear you know like the fans the fans you know it's never gonna the sequel is never gonna be as good whether we're talking music movies was that like weighing like on your conscious as you're making this album uh absolutely i would be lying to say i wasn't thinking man will people like this as much as that one but not you know not to the point where it crippled us the creativity we just me and ace always do what we do it's really we just make the best music we possibly can and that's what we did and uh we're gonna keep it going there i think there's gonna be a third album too that's amazing you know i wanted to ask that question but i also didn't want to be ungrateful like you know so i've listened to this already what's up with the next one but that's super <laughs> exciting to hear we haven't that started it. we haven't even started it but we have what we do he has a folder of beats so it always starts with the folder of beats and uh, he'll eventually, not anytime soon, but eventually start zoning in on them. And then we, we start, you know, knocking it out. That's amazing, man. Do you see your creative process together changing or evolving as you continue to work together over the years? A little bit. I mean, I think, you know, as a producer, I'm always finding new ways to elevate my sound and learn new things and bring it to our projects and you know, um, more comfortable taking risks. Nothing too crazy. Like I don't think you're gonna ever hear me on, on a on a trap vibe for Ace or anything like that. But just you know, more, you know, off kilter type of beats. You know, Ace is yeah. I don't know. Ace Ace definitely inspires me to be a better producer. He he really could be getting beats from anybody. So I have to be on my A game. That's that that's amazing, man. You know, was certified one of those risks because it it definitely was a departure from like the traditional like Ace and and Polo sound from Book and Story, but it was like just such a welcome song, and and I love the vibe of that, especially bringing Coast Contra on as well. Yeah, that just sounds like some up tempo like b boy shit when I made that beat. Like that's a perfect example of like my mind's clear. I go to create and I just let whatever happens happen, and not nothing's really driving it. And that was a a beat and i'm pretty sure i sent it to shallow and he's like you should send that to ace and that's what we did and uh ace is like yes i'm I'm doing that and then we we're like decided coast contra would would complement it and they took it to a whole other level so yeah that, to me i just sound like some up-tempo b-boy hip-hop shit you know what i'm saying and it really kind of took me back to those master ace incorporated days too like when you talk about the b-boy like just that sound of it was was really cool because it's like futuristic but a throwback at the same time no doubt thank you i'm glad you liked it 
And and Ace was telling me it was your your idea to bring Coast Contra on board for certified. Yeah, I have a relationship with Reels, who's the the Colombian member, because <laughs> you know I'm always in Colombia. I don't even know how we connected, but they were following me. I followed him. We started chopping it up. I sent beats. Um, and yeah, I was lucky to have a connection with them. You know, as you can see, they they really they really blew up and doing doing big things. And we just thought it would be a great match. And when I sent the beat and the song and the idea, they were totally with it. So those are cool brothers. That's awesome. How did how did you get started going to Colombia? And what's that experience been like for you? Me and DJ Skiz, who if you follow me, you know, that's one of my closest friends, another amazing DJ producer. And we just love to travel. Um, and we always take trips and we decided we wanted to go to Colombia. And usually sometimes when we, we go to new places, we always look through our networks to see if we can, you know, find connections or do a show or meet people ahead of time so that when we get there, we're not completely lost. And uh, we went to Bogota, Medellin and connected with some really great people. And we fell in love. We fell in love with it. We fell in love with it. Um, and yeah, we go all the time. We go all the time. I know some bootleg Spanish now. I've made some good connections. I've worked with some Colombian rappers. Me and Ace just did the biggest festival in Latin America, which is called Hip Hop El Parque. We were there last summer which is in Bogota, it's like 100,000 people. So yeah, man, I got a lot of love for Colombia, my Colombian peoples, and just, man, just learning something new every time I go there. That's amazing. Do you find records there too? Like, do you guys do a lot of digging and, and um, you know, finding some, some new sounds you might not find here? Absolutely. I definitely go digging in Colombia. Um, I found some gems there. I have people that always put me on the records. Um but yeah, that's definitely a part of the experience when I go down there. That's awesome. Because I mean, reading, you know, Dilla's book, just, you know, what how important travel was to expanding Dilla and Madlib, you know, Cut Chemist, like those trips where they would go places and, and immerse themselves in the culture, but also find new sounds and make those connections seem to really make them better producers. It sounds like it's having the same effect on you. Yeah, I mean, we're... <laughs> we're inspired by our crates by our records at least all the names you just mentioned so yes absolutely we go around the world and we try and find things people haven't heard and that's the key word is like you know you dig to find things that are unique you know and we we love discovering things and bringing new light to it that's always what i took from my elders when i listened to the beats you know my favorite beats, it wasn't like taking something super popular, although I have an appreciation for flipping something popular and doing it again. But finding things you've never heard is like the goal. And that's what I'm trying to do when I'm anywhere. I'm trying to find breaks and songs that, that are amazing that, you know, I can flip in a new way and, uh, you know, re reamp up into a whole new piece of art. That that's that's a great perspective, man. You know, when and when you think about that and your sound, how do you balance that growth and really expanding your sound or trying new things while also looking at, okay, you have this hardcore fan base, this is what they're expecting, and this might be too left field for some of the fans that that love me. Like, how do you balance that, you know, that push and pull there? I got to satisfy my own inner artistic nerd. So it's really just trusting my gut. And if I like it and Ace likes it, um, that's really the most important part. Um, and thankfully it always falls in line with, uh, you know, I, I seem like, it seems like our fan base grows with us. Like I feel on this new album, I'm doing beats that are much different than the last album. And, uh, but not in a way that's so crazy that we lose people. 
like if you listen to a record like outside in i've had people tell me it's like a two-step almost got a house vibe to it you know like a soulful two-stepper and then you got you know something like a certified which is a bit more up-tempo so i'm proud personally of my production on this album to show more of my range for people that think i might just be in one lane i'd have one sound i hope i've proved some of them wrong on this record I think you definitely have. If anybody had those doubts, I'd be shocked if they still had them after listening to Richmond Hill. You know, looking at beyond, Below the Clouds and that nod to Gangstar and Deck, like, how did that so concept come about? And what was it like putting Below the Clouds together? <laughs> uh, real talk, that beat was first sent to evidence because how could I not send that to evidence? Oh, man. Um, and shouts to my guy, Ev. I think he, I don't know if he tried something. Or, you know, at first he had the beat. I think he passed on it. Then Ace did a verse to it. And then we was like, okay, maybe now Ev will jump on it. And it still didn't work out. It wasn't like a natural thing. So, um, yeah, that, and then Ace, you know, then uh, it has a long story, that song. We have actually a, a super dope remix of that song that'll be coming out with a whole different MC down the line. But I'm so happy that we got Blue on it because I've always wanted to work with him since, you know, discovering him through um the blue and exile first record was it below the heavens yeah yeah i've been a fan so yeah that's how it came to be and, and ace you know ace took it there he's like i'm gonna call it below the clouds and once you know the intro kicks you get it and uh yeah man i love that freaking song i love it it, it it's amazing and, and and it's cool how it has kind of a nod to blues discography but also the the gangstar nod too so I, th I thought that that was pretty cool and and just the whole idea like there's a lot of vulnerability on that record and throughout the album of just you know really um of doing of doing the music for the love and really being honest with just how things are like was that an intentional move was that something you and ace talked about or did it just kind of naturally come about you know throughout the songs you guys made i mean i would be fronting to talk about to, to say I have anything to do with what Ace talks about in his lyrics. I have nothing to do with that. Uh, he'll, he'll, he'll write, he'll come in, he'll lay it down. And that'll be the first time I hear it. It's not, not really a thing where he's like, I'm going to write about this or write about that. I think he just catches, you know, emotions and vibes from the beats like any other MC. And he kind of, you know, and I hear it when he gets in here and then I'll see an album after we have like four or five songs, it'll take shape. And then, you know, he'll connect the dots. So I'm really following his lead most of the time. My job is just to inspire the words. And uh, that's that's basically the process in a nutshell. Oh, man. You know, when you, and when you look at, you know, you and Skiz were hanging out with Primo the other, you know, day I saw, you know, on Instagram. I don't know if it was the other day or if it was an old picture, but like you guys hanging out, man. Like when you're hanging out with your peers and guys like, you know, Skiz, Primo, like what do you guys talk about, man? Is it is it about production or do you guys have to kind of put that in a box and just talk about like regular life stuff or like, cause I would imagine you, you need a break from talking records at some point. Yeah. I think you're referring to new year's Eve, me primo and skiz had dinner. I think that's the picture you're talking about. I think and so. If I'm being transparent, like 20% of our conversation is usually about music and the rest is just a bunch of dudes hanging out, friends talking shit, busting each other's chops um which is amazing because that's the thing like primo's prem's my guy we've we've and i'm so even saying that i i'm so grateful to say those words that that's my boy because what an honor for to have you know 
arguably to me the best producer of all time be a peer and a friend but we've right. been on the road um i have the privilege of going to the studio and him sharing music with me and it's been you know it's been over 15 years and i i cherish every moment um but we really yeah we really just talk a lot of shit like if i go to the lab he's always playing me stuff and i'm just blown away um but when we like go get food and stuff man we just talking shit we're just friends like it's rarely about music sometimes we go digging which is cool but I kind of like that because, yeah, we do need a break in. Yeah, I'm not like I'm not really nerding out. You know, sometimes I'll ask him questions about stuff and, you know, things he's made beats on him. He'll tell me. But most of the time we're just talking shit. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. You know, th those are those conversations that, you know, are, are timeless. You always remember, man, like um, what do you learn hanging out with guys like Premier and Skiz and your peers, you know, when, when that you can take and put into your own music? Um, I mean, both of those guys are very different personality wise. So I learned a lot from all of them individually. Uh, you know, Skiz is arguably one of my best, not arguably, he's one of my closest friends, if not my closest friend. And it's crazy. We're both the same age. We both, um, you know, been living in New York, came from other places. He came from Boston. I came from Toronto. Um, we love digging. We travel like that's my bro. Um, and he's so different than me personality wise. He's like more calm. So like, I learned a lot about just cause I'm fucking ADHD times a thousand. So like, I think that's why we're such good friends. Cause he's like, so like, like calm and I'm like insane. So as a, as a duo of friendship, when we're out in the world traveling, it, it kind of balances each other out. So, um, Yay. And I just get inspired from his music, too. His music has a vibe to it that's different from mine. And now we started making beats together, which is a really interesting combination. I know I'm just babbling now, but that's my guy. Um, but he makes me think about things a lot different, just hanging out with Skiz, you know, and, and really just stepping back and getting out of the way of my own thoughts and just, like, clearing my brain, you know, because he's so calm and I'm fucking insane. Then Primo's a bit more like me. We're real loud. Or if you know him, we could just talk shit for hours. Like, Preem and me, and, like, we could just talk about something and not really say anything, like, for an hour. I'm like, what did we even say in that last hour? Just fucking listen to ourselves talk. You know what I'm saying? It's like an art of blabbing. So it's, it's hilarious. It's really cool that you and Skiz are working together on beats. Is that your first time really working with other producers on beats, or is that something you've done in the past? Uh, no, me and Shy definitely made beats in the past. Shy to be Yoda, and we've always, you know, those be. Yeah, it's got to be with someone that I'm super close with. But I, I love it though. I'm actually loving the the vibe of collaborating with another producer because sometimes you hit a wall, and like working with other people gets you thinking differently and changing your approach. Because I'm getting bored, man. You can't make the same shit over and over again. You have to stir it up. You have to be open to change. You got to get out of your comfort zone. And I really like to be around people that have that mentality. I'm not. I'm not inspired that that someone does the same shit for thirty years straight. Like you got to, you got to switch it up. You got to take some risks and change it up. And usually, interesting things happen that way. No doubt, and that's why you've also been working more with live musicians over the years as well, right? Absolutely. I mean, but that's yeah, that's a beautiful thing too. Uh, it's still the same approach, really. It's just having someone you know do a bunch of stuff and me sampling it and and interpreting it how i interpret it but it's even better because then you're not limited uh financially because then you can like shop those songs you don't have to worry about sample clearance so yeah it's, it's amazing to do that too 
That's really cool. Like, do you have a preferred method for making beats today, or does it kind of vary depending on the day and the mood and you know? Yeah, what, it always what you're it always changes. it always changes up. Uh, I definitely um, do more original stuff, I guess you could say, in terms of like not sampling as much. Um, but I also love my record collection and sampling. So yeah, it just depends how I feel. Some days I go in and I'm like, I need to chop up a sample. And other days I'm like, let me try and get my fake Beethoven on and play some keys and, you know, and compose something. So it totally depends on the vibe. That's awesome. And, and that's a huge, like, cause w when we started, you know, doing interviews way back, you know, you're working on Port Authority, Orange Moon over Brooklyn, like you didn't have all those tools in your tool belt at that time. Right. I mean, th th these no, are the things I couldn't that you've do grown. Nothing. Yeah. It was just chopping up records, which is great, but yeah, you have to evolve because you start learning to like, you know, you're limited as a producer financially when you're always sampling, you know, and you're not clear, you know, if you can't clear everything, you know, you, you Yeah. Trust me, every producer will learn really quickly to compose when someone wants to give them a bunch of money for a song and a movie and they can't do it because of a sample. Then mm. you're like, oh shit, I really need to learn how to make music without samples, you know, illegal samples at least. So, yeah. Was that your experience? Absolutely. Man. Absolutely. And now I can say with, with confidence that, you know, I can. I can cook up anything I need to cook up, cook up with, you know, I can, and a lot of artists too. Now, a lot of rappers, you know, that get hip to the game, they don't even want, they're not even interested in, in, in beats that have uh, samples in it, you know? Um, so it's good to have all is what I'm saying. There's no right or wrong. It's just good to be able to, as a producer, be as versatile as possible. I would, I would recommend that for anybody. No, that's great advice. So like, what is your focus, you know, when you're thinking about making beats, you know, whether it's like this is going to Ace or this is going, you know, in another folder, you know, if anybody wants like a single or like, you know, a track on an album versus, you know, this is for, for a beat project or for licensing. Like, how do you kind of balance all of your creative output in, in ways that keep everything that you have going? Tushi, I mean, sometimes there's a there's a purpose like, OK, this is for Ace. I try to just sit down and create more without a like a financial or like it's more like it's for ace if i know it's for ace then i know where to stay in what realm to stay in so yeah it's a project to project basis um some people ask me to do remixes which is helpful i'm finding it really cool to take an acapella and like build the beat around that um but yeah, when I was younger, I used to sit down and make beats with no purpose and uh, it was great. But now it's like, yeah, I definitely need a reason now to sit down and create. So having like a, a theme or a purpose or a specific project um, helps. Because too, for, for just from previous conversations and just, just from reading about you, you know, seeing YouTube videos, like you're not the kind of producer that just makes like 20 beats in a day, right? Like, I mean, just the way that your beats are layered and how intricate that they, they, they are. Like, I'm guessing that your beats don't just come together in 20 minutes and you can have five, you know, by the end of the day. No, I'm never, I've never been that guy. I think the most beats I ever made in one day is like two or three. I, and I am not that guy. I listen too much back and like over and over again. I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing, but I really, I'm a perfectionist. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I don't even make one beat in a day. It all, it all depends what's flowing. Um, creativity is interesting. 
you know, sometimes I sit down and like everything flows and like within 20 minutes, I've got a finished beat and it's just everything worked out. And then other times I'll be banging my head for seven hours on a beat that's mediocre at best. So it's really, yeah, not to sound like a hippie, but I really feel like it's with the energy that day and how it's flowing and how I'm connected to whatever. So. Do you find that there's certain parts of production or different elements that like, you know, you, you end up spending the most time in trying to like get it right or fixating on to be like, this has to be like perfect. Like yeah. The drums, the drums are the most important part of music production or hip hop production to me. So uh, you could have the flies, loop samples, chops, musical stuff. If the drums ain't rocking, it's, it's, it's weak sauce. So uh, that is, that is where I put most of my effort, even though we're in a world where, uh, it's going a little bit more drumless or not as heavy on the drums. To me, it's still the most important thing because we do so many live shows. And uh, when them drums come in in the live show is, is make or break that moment. So I am all about making sure my drums, my percussion, the movement of, of that stuff is, is the best it can be. And how do you go about to making sure that your drums have that signature Marco Polo sound especially when we look at how many drum packs and drum kits are just easily available today that weren't available 10, 20, 30 years ago, you know, to keep that unique vibe that you have knowing how easy it is for other producers to kind of emulate, you know, what, what the greats are doing. Yeah. I just got to do me. I just got to be creative. I mean, that's exactly how I think the certified beat started as I found a really interesting break beat that wasn't typical four four. It was four, four, pattern but i chopped it up and it had a, you know an interesting bounce it's like kick 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 snare and like just trying different shit is what i've always loved to do i'll take a break and reassemble it in a way that's not anything like how it originally was played and you gotta you gotta you gotta take risks out here you gotta take risks sometimes you fall on your face and sometimes you make some really interesting shit that people will be like oh shit like i never heard no shit like that and that's what it's all about to me like i've done the typical classic four, four tick, tick, hi-hat rap beat a million times. So I, I'm generally trying to do new. I'm trying to impress myself now at this point, <laughs> you know? So yeah, that's the goal. That's have, have you ever had like any surprises where you make something and, and in your own head, you're saying that's kind of mediocre, but then someone else, you know, an artist can breathe life into it. And you're like, Whoa, like this, this was something like, has that ever happened before? Um. yeah I mean I usually try and send beats to some of my peers for review because I have like a you know people listen to them and tell me their feedback you know before I just send them to a rapper Um, and sometimes I just feel like I just send it directly to someone and see what they think so yeah no it's totally happened where there's been a beat where I thought was okay and somebody was like that's crazy and then vice versa something I think is crazy and a rapper's like yeah I could do without that so you never and never know but i definitely like to curate what i send to artists as much as possible even if it's like somebody i trust listening to a bunch of new beats and them being like that's dope that's okay that one needs work you know i think it's important to like have someone to vet your your beats before you just send them out yeah and 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 when you take that feedback like how do you how do you incorporate feedback versus like hey i should do what they're telling me or like i hear you but I really like it the way I have it. 
Yeah, I mean, that's really just up to me. I mean, for years, that's how me and Shy worked. I send him beats and he's like, yo, trash this, trash that. And I usually, for the most part, I just, I trust him with my life. He taught me how to make beats. So I didn't even really, like, I didn't care. I dropped the ego and I would just try his suggestions. But like later on, if there was something I really felt strongly about, I'd be like, yeah, I disagree. I'm going to keep it this way. That's totally happened. So it's really how I feel. But if I trust you, like, I, I, I'm not that dude to be like, fuck that. I'm keeping it how it is. Like, you know, I've... Because of me dropping my ego and taking criticism, I've we've improved songs so many times. <laughs> you know, thanks to Shy and what he's told me, like, yo, do this. You know, there's been versions of beats uh, I could send you, and then you know the revisited version, thanks to feedback that made it a thousand times better. So, yeah, my advice to producers is have a clique of people that are not yes men that'll tell you the real deal, and it'll really help. You know, your music get better. Yeah. You know what I found too, just in my own experiences, like, uh, for example, working on the Wordsworth book, like Wordsworth is a great, you know, a legend and he takes feedback really well where, you know, when we're working on the book, I see the feedback that I suggest incorporated in the next revision. And it's like, um, I find that like the best artists, you know, who have these extensive discographies and accomplishments are able to listen and and grow and understand and not just be so narrow-minded that like my way is the only way and if you don't get it you're wrong yeah i don't yeah i i mean yeah i'm i've seen some artists like that you know and that's cool too however you do it some people are super confident in their taste and they did when they do it that's what it is and that's they keep it like that but yeah i've never been like that i'm always open to feedback um, you know, it doesn't mean I have to apply what you say to or change it, but I'm always open to listening um, to people that I respect, not anybody, but, you know, people in my circle. Right. No doubt, man. And, you know, something that was really cool about Richmond Hill is it's set in Toronto. So if we go back to a Brooklyn story, it really traces your journey to the to New York City from Toronto and really making your way as a producer, um, as an up and coming producer. But Richmond Hill, we're going back to Toronto, and it's almost like a prequel in a way. Like, how did you guys come up with that idea to say, you know what, let's call the album Richmond Hill. Let's set the skits and, and kind of the whole storyline for the album through your childhood and um, and your you know teenage years. Like, what, what was that decision like, and how did you guys really come up with that? All master ace. He, if you look back on his career, he did the same thing with Disposable Arts and Long Hot Summer, where he went to like the pre the prequel, and he did that here too. It was all his idea to go back in time and make it about Richmond Hill and my life. All him. I remember him telling me for a Brooklyn story. He's like, you know, people know my story. I've done that for for myself. But he's like, we need, you know, so it would be more compelling if it was Marco and his story. Yeah, I think he got bored of talking about his life. So he's like, let's change it up. So, yeah, because I would have never been like, let's make two albums about me. Never in a million years. So even to this day, it's crazy that he's telling my story. But he felt like my life story was interesting with my, you know, early drug use and moving to a big city from Toronto to do rap. And so hopefully other people feel the same way. What was it like? opening up on that too and really putting it out there because if people knew about your your early life before you know it might be through reading this interview or this video but like now it's like you know going to be heard by a ton of people who you know over the years just listening to this album it's just it's it's out there like what does it feel like having your personal story out there like that i don't even trip on it i don't care i mean if it helps somebody it's cool like 
I have no shame about my history because it made me the person I was. And, you know, I was fortunate to have a very supportive uh, support system, like with my family, my parents and people wanting me to change my life because I was I was a young confused teenager experimenting with a bunch of crazy shit and uh you know i had an opportunity with the help of my family to change my life around and because of it i, I literally replaced drugs with with music music production and learning about it so it was like the healthiest way to shift an addiction from a, a super unhealthy one to a, a very healthy one that you know literally pays my bills in 2024 so yeah that's amazing, man. I really respect the fact too that you that you put your story out there like that and that, you know, doing so with the intention that it's gonna help others at the same time. Um, what does that feedback mean, man, when fans reach out to you to say, like, I really connect with your story, your experiences, or this song that you made has gotten me through tough times? Like, what does that mean to you today? I mean, it's amazing. If, if I create something that helps somebody anytime it's amazing because that you know because that's my connection to music too you know you connect a lot of our favorite music are connected to moments in our lives right like oh when i was in high school we used to smoke weed listening to grave diggers like so it's very special has sentimental value and now when people are like yo i listened to board authority when i was in college i'm like damn that's crazy um you know i remember i used to study to to this song or you know i was breaking up with my girl and i listened to this song so I think it's it's really cool to be uh, in people's lives through through something I made, you know. Right, that's amazing, man. And you know, a running joke in our old hip hop game interviews used to be um, you smoking cigarettes, especially because way back I think it was probably like twenty in the in the late two thousands. You know, Ace had said something about like he loves working with you. He just doesn't love the smell of like the secondhand smoke in the studio. And you've been for, you you quit four years ago, so we don't even have that to like joke about in interviews, man. But congrats on quitting, man. Like, what was that process like for you, and how'd you come to that decision, man? Well, thank you for giving me four years. It's actually only been a year. Uh, oh my bad. No, it's all good. It's it feels like four years to be honest. I don't know how I did it. I'm gonna be honest. I smoked two packs a day for like. 25 years and i just stopped whole turkey no drugs nothing and i didn't relapse and here we are i guess i'm almost at like 13 months it's insane i still don't know like some divine force whether it's my pops up in heaven watching over me but i cannot give you an answer as how i just stopped at cold turkey it doesn't make sense but here i am and i'm grateful that i'm still cigarette free because i think about them shits all the time <laughs> Man, so it was just one day. I'm just done. It wasn't like a gradual, like, let me decrease, like, by a couple each week. Oh, or no, no, no. It was the gradual. It was like, I think it was like this year I'm going to quit. So I knew in December, like, get your cigarettes in. And like New Year's Eve, I like smoked fucking 30 cigarettes in a row on the roof of my building. And I was like, this is it. And that was it. The next day I woke up and I stopped. Man, have you felt a difference now that now that you've had some distance between your last one? I mean, I notice things that, you know, I sleep better, my energy's better, my skin looks better. Um, yeah, but I still like them shits. That's a powerful drug right there, cigarettes. I think about them. I have dreams about them. <laughs> so I got a long way to go. Even though it's been a year and a half, I got to keep keep at it because uh, in a flash, you could be back doing that shit. So I just got to keep, keep off some joints. Right. I remember talking to somebody who had quit 
and his friends were trying to not smoke around him because they didn't want to tempt him. And he was like, no, no, smoke them in my face. I don't care. Like I need to, to, to build my willpower to say no, what, you know, whether it's right in front of me or, you know, you're in the corner smoking and I can't smell it. Like, are you, how does that feel for you, man? Like, especially when you're on the road and you're in these venues and, you know, smoke is everywhere. Is it ever tempting like on the road or when you're tired or stressed or anything like that? Um, yeah, but you know what? Not to be like crass or, or rude, but it's like tough shit, Marco. Like that's just life. You know what I'm saying? Like there's so many things. I need that around me because that's not going to go away. I can't have the world <laughs> catering to my, you know, the world's going to keep smoking cigarettes. I need to deal with it. So I kind of need to be in situations where everyone's smoking to, to really make me strong because that's, you know, it's just like if I had to stop eating sugar like there's still going to be donut stores and ice cream and there's always going to be temptation so i'm not i have to go towards it i, I don't want to run from it because that's no way to live you just got to be strong and in touring with ace too knowing what a healthy eater he is like do you do you have you know similar diet to ace or do you find like when you're on the the road with ace that you're like eating healthier than you normally would <sighs> How do I? So I've definitely made like fitness, going to the gym, part of my life these last few years, which is new. So me and Ace are on the same page in terms of being aware of attempting to eat healthy. I am definitely not a pescatarian because Ace is a pescatarian. So I wouldn't call him plant based anymore, but he definitely eats uh, super clean to the best of his abilities. Where I do that as well, but I will, I will have you know some ice cream and you know i i I, (laughs) i'm like the five days clean two days whatever the fuck i want just for my mental health so yeah me too which i think is a more sustainable way to live for most people than this extreme topic because i feel like you'll relapse so i have a good balance in my life I'll, i'll cook five days really clean for myself but on the weekends, I'll have some pasta, some pizza. I don't give a fuck because that's that works for me. So, but overall, our crew traveling on the road, we're all the same in the sense of none of us drink, none of us do drugs. You know, we try and exercise and eat clean to the best of our ability. So, you know, it works. That makes it a lot easier too when when you're not the only one saying like, "Hey guys, like I didn't get my workout in today." Like, and everyone's just like, "Who cares?" Like, why would you? You know, that but makes it a just, lot easier. That's just natural. That's natural progression in life. The older you get, you're just going to be around people that are more like you, and that's and it's sad because you'll lose friends along the way. There's some people going this way, other people going that way. Like, like I said, when I got when I stopped doing drugs and drinking, I'm not with people doing blow and fucking smoking weed no more. It just doesn't work. I'm not judging them, but I'm, I don't want to be around that anymore. So I'm going to be around people moving in the, in the direction that I'm moving. So, and that's what it is. Yeah, no, that that's amazing, man. And, and seeing you and ACE perform live is awesome. You know, like you guys have such a great show, um, great coordination, man, how much work goes into the show um, and making sure that you guys are giving fans the best show possible each night. Yeah, man, I'm gonna keep saying it. Props to Ace. I've learned so much from him when it comes to a live show. Uh, he's one of the last masters of 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 the stage in terms of hip hop hip hop shows. And you know, we always try and rehearse before we go on a tour. We always try and change things up. We always test out ideas. Um, so, you know, usually before a tour, we'll get up one or two times and rehearse and try new things. And even when we get on, on the actual tours, we'll switch things up. We'll be like, yeah, that's not working. Like I thought it would, let's try this. 
But there's always an effort into the live show. And I think that's why he keeps touring after all these years. He's almost 57, filling up, you know, venues in, in Europe. It's crazy because people remember the show and they want to come back. He's seen it three, four times, you know, because he cares. We care. So it's a, it's a joy to perform with him and be a part of it. Um, we have fun. You, know, you could tell how much work goes into it. It's just, it's an incredible performance by both you guys. And one of the things that really was like, whoa, uh, to me was when Ace was like, you know, shout out a song you want me to do. And he could do, you know, any song that the fans are shouting out. I mean, that's incredible for someone with his discography to just be able to say like, yo, Marco, play, play this instrumental and be able to do it. Because um, not every artist can remember all their songs like that. Yeah, I mean, if we have the song and it's requested, he will try our best to do it. You know, he does have a crazy discography. and I don't even have every song in the laptop to be able to play. But, you know, for the most part, we usually are able to deliver everything as, you know, to the fans at the live show. And and what's what's it been like going overseas? You guys just got back from a, from a good, you know, overseas leg, you know, talking to artists that were touring overseas back in like the early 2000s they're always like it's so great over there like there's such a love for hip-hop do you feel like it's still the same way over there like do you do you um do you see that vibe still in 2024 yeah every year i think it's going to decrease and then we go on tour and the, the rooms are still filled with young listeners it's amazing so i god bless europe we we literally survive a hundred percent based on traveling and touring Europe. They're the best. We appreciate them. Shouts to everybody and all the fans in Europe. And I know too, like when you look at, you know, family and life and just going on the road, like that's not an easy life. You know, how much touring do you guys think you'll be doing for Richmond Hill um, in the near future? A lot. We have a big tour coming up in uh, Europe for May and June, probably about four to five weeks. Um, we're looking forward to it. And there'll probably be, some U.S. dates and some pop-up shows. So, yeah, that's part of our life, man. We're just used to it. It's easier for me. I don't have kids, but, you know, um, we love to tour. And I don't, I think as long as Ace is going to rock, I will be rocking right there with him. So it's not, you know, we don't have any plans to stop anytime soon. That's awesome, man. And just thinking about um, your legacy, man, you know, Orange Moon Over Brooklyn is super important album you did with Pumpkinhead. Uh, you were the first interview I did for the the Pumpkinhead book um, way back when when that project started, and did a, you know near a hundred interviews for that project. So always appreciate you being the first one to really get the ball rolling there. But like when you look back on Orange Moon Over Brooklyn, like what does that album mean to you today? I mean that's the starting point. It's really the first MC that allowed me to produce an album. Um, you know, there's so many imperfections I hear in my production, but also the beauty of the imperfections and me learning and coming into my own sound. Uh, I think it has just a raw innocence. I don't know. People that know that album seem to enjoy it and appreciate it. You know, it's still like an underground jewel and a lot of people don't even know it exists. But when they do discover it, they, they're like, wow, this is dope. So, yeah, it's a real special record to me. I miss my guy. Preach. Yeah, what do you remember most about him? Because you really got to see him up close and personal with all the different studio sessions you guys did for that project um, in ways that just, not everyone always got to know him. We always used to argue. He was stubborn. He was funny. He used to make fun of me. Uh, we had a great time, though. And, uh, you know, I got nothing but love for PH. He was a, he was a fun guy to be around. Um, so, yeah. 
So when you look back, man, on Port Authority and Orange Moon over Brooklyn and really those days when you're, you know, fairly new to New York City and you're, you know, you're making connections, um, what what lessons do you feel that you learned from those early days that still carry through today? Oh, man, it's such a, it seems like such a long time ago, but I was definitely having, I think I was definitely having more fun back then. I wasn't thinking so much about the business and all that other stuff that as you get older, you have to think about. So there's more of a, a purity, a pure raw vibe of, of the music where it was just so much about just happy to be there in the studio working. And, you know, it's, it's bittersweet as you get older and have longevity in the biz because you have to learn and like, I definitely feel like some of that stuff messes with you as a creative, you know, the more you get intertwined and make it a business in your life. Um, so there's an innocence about that era that I kind of miss sometimes. Um, so, yeah. No doubt, man. You know, seeing you on tour, man, you look great. Wild child from the plague said he works out at your gym. He sees you there all the time. Like what is the Marco Polo fitness regimen look like today? <laughs> it's so funny to even hear that. I just try and go to the gym like three, four times a week with my boy Gary or anyone and just lift weights, just move my body. I don't, you know, I, I've definitely had uh, phases where I've had actual trainers and those are great. Um, but I'm definitely proud that I've made it a part of my life and I definitely fall off and won't go for like four or five days, but I always get back on the horse and try and it's important for me, man. It's important to like, as you get older, you got to like move your body and like specifically lifting weights. I feel like for me, that helps my brain uh, feel less cloudy and gets the blood flowing, which helps creativity. And I definitely prefer working out in the morning. So yeah, to me, it's just about getting there getting there and just putting in effort, you know, and, and, you know, I'm definitely not a professional fitness guy, but yeah, part you know, of my man, life. What other projects goals, man, do you have for 2024? I'm really focused on sound design right now. Uh, I've had the honor to work with Akai and design uh, expansions for producers. That's really taken on a whole new, uh, part of my life and um so i'm gonna be really zoning in on making amazing sounds for producers to use in their beats and make beats um and then you know locked in with ace and maybe sending some beats out to some some bigger artists this year um and that's really it that's really it man i'm blessed to get to work with ace and i can kind of curate who i who i work with uh I'm definitely not chasing rappers like I used to or worrying about producer albums. Um, I think I'm retiring that phase of my life and really locking in to, to, you know, like I said, this duo group that me and Ace have kind of become and uh, the sound design world. That's amazing. I would imagine, too, in that compilations are just getting more and more complicated to put together with all the licensing and paperwork and everything needed. I mean, it was always complicated, you know, when anytime you do a, a, a producer album and you, you're gathering like, you know, 40, 50 different artists, it's a pain in the ass because you're waiting on people. Um, sometimes people send you things and you don't like it and you feel, you know, should I use it? Should I not use it? It's just a lot of work. It's a lot of work. And I'm, I'm glad I'm glad I did them, but I don't. Yeah. I mean, and you never say never. Who knows? I could do another one one day. But right now, I'm good on those. I'm, I'm good. I'm so much easier and fun and focused working with one MC on a project. 
No, I can, I can definitely understand and appreciate that, man. You know, over the years, Marco, like your music has meant so much to me. You're, you know, there's always a Marco Polo song on a playlist. Like I told you before we started the interview, you know, whether I'm running, you know, working out, driving, you know, there's there's always a song that, that's on the playlist that you produce and love in Richmond Hill and just so happy to see you and Ace getting the props that you deserve. Oh man, I really appreciate all those words and I'm glad my music is still in your playlist and thank you so much for having me on your podcast, brother. 